For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker, and I'm here with Ron Saw. Sally from Minneapolis, Bryant McKinney, Super Bowl champ, played for the Vikings, Ravens, and Dolphins. And our guest this week is Amir from the Twin Cities. He's got a podcast of his own that he drops, I think, weekly. And I was on his show last week, so I invited him to come on ours. We're going to talk about the Bengals fallout and the Cardinals preview. That uh, for better or for worse, that's what we got shaken tonight. First, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back uh, to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college basketball action this season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Uh, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use the mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up and use this promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest, easiest ways to bet on all of your favorite sports and your online sports book at experts, betonline.ag. I've also got the balance seven on the docket. Uh, so I don't know if anybody you heard about Lamar Odom. He looks like he's going to be returning to professional basketball in Spain. Apparently, he's going to try out for Paul Gasol's team. He's been taking a new product that he owes credit to, Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing uh, alkaline supplement that you drink. It's like vitamins and supplements in liquid form, just one ounce a day, three times a week, and three times a day, excuse me, in one week, you'll see the effects. Um, You can see how Balance 7 helped Lamar. Uh, And right now, if you go to balance7.com and use the promo code BLEAV, You'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time you'll need to see if it works for you. Again, that's balance7.com and use the code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout. Uh, it can work for you if it worked for Mar Odom. The Vikings lost a roller coaster extravaganza in Ohio. Sally was there, 27-24. They looked, defensively, they looked good in the first quarter, and I was super psyched. And then it all went downhill with penalties and... The bad defense showed back up. They had an about face and damn near won the game. The Dalvin Cook supposedly fumbled. And here we are, 0-1, staring at a formidable schedule that begins this Sunday in the desert against the Cardinals. And after that, we'll come back home for a three-game stretch. So I want to start out with Amir. He is our guest. He lives in Lakeville. And I want to get your reaction to the Bengals situation. Well, just... Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, guys, for having me again. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Uh, I guess my general thoughts on the game, it's, it was a mishmash. It was like 
it was a letdown, but it wasn't all lost. Like there were two drives that you had to drive in the first quarter, the 91 yard drive. And then you had that drive when all hope was lost, the uh, starting on your, their own, your own five. But yeah, so much, so much sloppiness, like 15 penalties. You had the turnover and overtime. You had a lot of, a lot of missed gaps on running plays that you allowed Mixon to get a bunch of, a bunch of chunk yards. So I guess I don't know how to feel about this game moving forward. Like there are some things that I like, but there's some that I don't like, if that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely makes sense. Uh, Sally, you were there. And I think I was. despite some of the garbage that was happening, you kept an upbeat attitude. And I was very proud of you for that. <laughs> Thank so, you. Yes, I noticed. Your it. call to God didn't work, though, apparently. <laughs> no, so. no. Don't use your positive attitude, Sally. You, you, you know what I fi- <laughs> Thank you. You know what I figured out? It was um, the, the line must have been busy because Kirk was calling about the oh. offensive line. He, he didn't want to die. So I think God took that as a priority call over mine. It's unfortunate, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was there. I was very upbeat. I decided a few years ago well, that I wasn't going to let the Vikings impact my day anymore because 2017 NFC championship game put me in a very dark place for a long time. But, you know, it's taken a couple years to really implement, you know, been doing the baby steps towards that. And I was just honestly, since I was there, so relieved that it wasn't a tie um, (laughs) because I've seen ties in person before. And it's just you just leave feeling so I don't even know what the word is. You just feel gross. It's like, okay, I just gave like four hours of emotional energy to something and I have no resolution. So I was at least happy that someone won the game, even if it wasn't the Vikings. Um, but yeah, I was left there and I was like, I'm not letting this ruin my time. I'm on an exotic vacation in Cincinnati, Ohio. I mean, it doesn't get better than this. So. <laughs> Did you, we'll get to the Cardinal stuff in about 20 minutes. Did you leave with an ultra sour taste or do you have a little hope going forward? Um, okay. I mean, in all honesty, it didn't shock me. Um, I think we talked about this last week that I kind of could see it being a little bit like that 49ers game in 2015. Um, I, I didn't feel super confident going in, but I ultimately did think they would pull it out. Uh, I too, um, thought that the defense did pretty well. I thought Michael, I was happy with Michael Pierce and how, you know, he debuted, there, um, the offense, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be fair to say I have hope, not don't have hope, but, um, I feel like so far we've seen a lot of what we've seen before. I know it's one game, so that might not be fair, but, um, yeah, I don't have a ton of hope in that department at this time. Okay. Well, we'll get to more of that shortly. Uh, Brian, I've been wanting to ask you this for four days now. There was a string of penalties in the Vikings game that I have never seen before in my life. It was every single play for what felt like six plays on offense. And that might be an exaggeration, but all told they had 17 flags hit the field, 12 of which were accepted. Most of them were offensive line. Where does accountability lie for when an offensive lineman or a group of offensive linemen get penalty after penalty? Is that a coaching thing usually, or do you take it on the chin as a player? Um, I think you got to take it on the chin of the player because that's more discipline. Uh, you can't really coach that too much. I mean, drumming up thighs and things like that and holding. So you have to really take that on the chin as an individual, and that's about discipline. Why do they always say that 
uh, penalties are an indicator of a coach and his discipline and the message that he sends. Is that because um, you know you can practice those things like if it happens in practice and you don't really kind of discipline somebody or there's like no type of reaction from that, it can kind of find itself happening more likely in games. And um, I know, I think when I was at Miami, somebody jumped outside, you had to do a lap and then come back. Somewhere I was at before, it was like a penalty, like jumping outside. You had to go a lap around the field and then come right back in and, and jump in when you finished. So somebody was feeling for you. So <laughs> when you had that over your head, you kind of think about, like, oh, I don't want to jump outside. It, it just kind of low-key register in. So I don't know what they do at practice as far as that. They just move on and make it seem like it's not a big thing, but you got to kind of highlight that at practice so it won't carry over to the field. Well, I'll bet they, if that's the thing in the, the Zimmer regime, I bet they do that this week because this would be the time for it. I would like to add, um, being at the game, I rewatched the game last night just because, you know, you obviously don't have the same vantage points mm-hmm. as the TV and stuff. I was so surprised when that game started how loud it was in there. Um, I think we've talked about this before. You know, obviously, U.S. Bank is very loud. I've been to Seattle, which is loud. Kansas City is loud. I wasn't quite on those levels, but I was really surprised at how loud it was. Especially, They kept saying on TV it was sold out. Unless a bunch of people bought uh, chunks of tickets and didn't show up or they were hiding in the concourse, there were some sections with 15 or 20 people in, it in the 200s level. So I don't know what that was about. So given that it was not full and that there was probably 40% Vikings fans there, for it to be that loud was really crazy to me. But the Vikings fans, all of them that I would look at look at, were screaming on offense. So maybe that's who we need to blame, actually. <laughs> Ron, give me your uh, recap or your feelings. I'm- well, so I will say, um, again, I was – I'm not going to say overconfident as I was last week, but like, this is one I just didn't see us losing unless it was self-inflicted. I remember using those words. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, um, when you have a hundred and whatever yards of penalties, um, that's going to kill you. So, um, I think they even made a a comment on the broadcast at some point in the second half where the two drives that the, the offense didn't have a single penalty on, they went down the field and they scored. Um, and it seemed like every time you get something going, you move back, whether it's a holding or the false starts are the ones that baffle me, especially CJ ham, who, you know, a fullback's getting a penalty and it's not 12 men in the huddle, like like just uh, <laughs> weird stuff was happening. And uh, um, I couldn't understand like why, like I get if there's the offensive lineman in a loud um, environment, you know, jumping off sides, but uh, um, the way it would happen, it was just so odd. We were put behind the eight ball early and often on early downs. Um, and then we, it's like, we would still want to run it and we weren't very successful on those runs. So yeah. What um, the heck was that? Honestly. Yeah. I, Second and long, I, I, third and long. Let's yeah. They don't so even try. It, it seems like. Well, there were a lot of nice wrinkles that we haven't seen in the Vikings offense for a while. Like, you know, a lot of motion plays with guys, you know, coming into the, a lot of motion. you know, yeah. So they did a lot mm-hmm. of stuff like that, but they were still very vanilla in their approach to start. And I don't know if it was just, you know, jitters first time being a play caller. I'm not sure. Um, also on the defense, other than uh, Bashad Breeland looking 
lost um, on a couple of plays and, you know, whether it's pass interference or just not knowing how to run a straight line, um, you know, in the closing two minutes, um, I thought the defense played extremely well. Um, I know Mixon got almost 130 yards, but he ran it 30 times. So his yards per carry weren't outlandish. It was, you know, four and a half, which is good. But when you get that many carries consistently, you know, like the Derrick Henry mold, you're going to break down a defense a little bit. So, um, you know, that part doesn't disappoint me too much. Um, there are a lot of positives there. Um, what I will say as um, the overall positives to draw out of it are, well, one, and again, it, it, if anything, it didn't silence any of the Kirk haters. It kind of made them louder. Like, well, that's what he's supposed to do. Like, that's what he's paid to do. But the narrative for Dak Prescott or, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, it's not the same. Like, well, Dak did everything he could on Thursday mm-hmm. night. And, you know, just he just, you know, he can't play defense. But, um, I mean, Kirk did one thing that he really um, – like, at least for me, like you could have silenced a lot of people at least or muted them a little bit because he did a 90, whatever. We started off at the five yard line. He put us in field goal position with no timeouts, made some good throws. Um, and then again, our kicker, like, you know, when that was the biggest reaction I had, like <clears throat> I was with both my kids here because uh, my wife had some stuff to do. So, um, and like, that was like an audible loud clap. And my daughter looks at me like, what's going on. Um, but, uh, that was the only time that, like that I had any emotion really through it. So, um, seeing him make a clutch kick was, I think is something that could bode well for the team going forward. Um, so there are positives to, to build on. Um, the biggest negative I think is easily correctable in the sense that penalties, you can hopefully, you know, run laps to fix. So we'll see. Uh, that's my long winded explanation, but, uh, the schedule does, uh, does get a little dicey here. I will say, I don't appreciate the Christian Ponder reference of easily correctable, when it comes to this day and age thank you i uh so i was and especially in the second quarter that i was talking to bryant about with the penalties i was appalled uh that that kept happening because to me it was clear as day that the only thing that prevented momentum on offense was those damn penalties and it was one after another and i've never seen that happen where it reminded me of a raiders game like just like when the raiders for all those years were bad and they're always jump or having just dumb penalties and it was was just odd it was uh it felt like twilight zone for me um and then on the on greg joseph hitting that kick there was not a fiber of my being that thought he was going to hit that even when he made the practice kick before they tried to freeze him i was like well that just means he's really gonna miss it now same so so I usually keep an optimistic chip on my shoulder, and but this time I was like, the way this game has gone, the only way this ends with him missing it, and then we're back to the drawing board on everything. But yeah, then it, he'll be fired Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> and the other part of like, if if you're a Vikings fan looking for hope for the season, um, like the fact that one they were able to come back and force it into overtime, and then again whether or not he was down or not, like they put themselves in a chance to win the game. Like mm-hmm. you know, again. I don't think it was a fumble. I thought there was evidence he was down. I also thought Jefferson was in. And that one to me is even like the ramifications from that. I know they were like, why would you even challenge that? You're at the one yard line, punch it in. But I've seen teams go four times and not make it in. Um, you know, Brian, I'm sure you've been on offenses at times where you have four chances to get a touchdown from the one yard line and it just doesn't happen. Something goes wrong or a turnover, something happens. So I get it. You try to get the points while you can, but I don't know how they miss that, but the the part of that that is overlooked is that cost us a timeout that 
if we had, we would have either had extra time on the clock when we got the ball back or Kirk would have had a timeout in his pocket to get more yards and potentially, um, you know, get a touchdown if possible. So a um, couple of bad calls there, but again, I'm not going to blame the refs when we have, you know, over a hundred yards and penalties. The, uh, the thing that I took from it and I don't really like it is that going to the Cardinals on Sunday, this feels like the, it could be to the extremes. It could be one of those road games that we're all familiar with where we just get wiped off the map where nothing, like we just look like imbeciles and then we're on our way to this lost season where people are fired or it could be like 2015. Like I, that, that 2015 game was a lot worse than this game, at least into how bad they played. This one had more of a roller coaster, but the game against the 49ers six years ago was anemic. I just dreadful. And then they went 11 and four after that. So there's a lot of hype on the Cardinals because they spanked the Titans. So I'm, I'm confused right now as to God, is this team good? And they just needed this extra preseason game to, to get going or do they suck? Have I been wrong all summer that these additions looked good on paper and they really just suck? Uh, so that's why uh, that's what I didn't like coming out of the game because usually I can get an indicator like, okay, these guys are for real, these guys aren't, and I'm still I'm like, hmm. But honestly, um, you said about like 17 penalties, like that's a yeah. lot of penalties. So basically, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself behind the eight ball, and that's something that we always I know as Vikings, uh, penalty margin of having lower amount of penalties than our opponent was always a big factor. And it's hard to win a game when you're 17 penalties. It's, hard, it's very hard to win. So you, you don't want to give anybody the edge. You're giving somebody the edge with 17 penalties. There's a lot of penalties in one game. And Brian, how much does that change the game plan? Like, so, you know, because like, every down now is you, instead of dealing with second and six, you're at first and 15 or something. Does it change like how the coaches call the game? It changes how the game is called because now you, a lot of coaches don't have plays for a second and 16 and things like that. And then, um, it also can change momentum too. So the penalty that they, they need, that's what they need to work on first. The penalties, they might not be as bad as it appears, but those penalties like that being like, that's a lot of penalties and that's just poor discipline. Yeah. There's no doubt can about it. Question? Yeah. And I was going to get to you next. About, so about the penalties, me and uh, my dad, we were watching the game. We had a debate about this. So I know after at, ha- at half times, as uh, coach Jim was talking about uh, uh, cousins holding on the ball too long and, so my dad was he was he was thinking that because uh, that it's that he's, that uh, cousins was is messing up was messing up the count, but my debate was because just the the lack of reps throughout the whole offensive line that maybe some jitters played into it. What do you guys think? Do you think it? Do you think that maybe that the count was messed off and that probably that probably caused the penalties? Like what what do you, what what do you guys think could have probably was the root of the problem in this particular game? Because. Well, I don't think if he held the ball, I'm not sure he held the ball 17 times or right, what all these penalties <laughs> were. I just think that um, people were just having penalties and whether he was holding the ball long and now you still got to kind of defend and try to figure some things out, scramble through something. But um, that'll be something else. If he was holding the ball extremely long, that's something else that they'll talk about this week. Their offensive line coach should definitely say something to speak up for his guys because, I mean, it, you can only hold the back for so long before it becomes, you know, something – but the last thing you want to do is a penalty, but I'm pretty sure those guys don't want to get the quarterback hit either. But the offensive line coach definitely should step in if that is the case and, and kind of say something to have, you know, his offensive lines back. Amir, uh, he did hold the ball at times too long. And uh, early in his career, he had a problem with fumbles. And I think he just became very weary of his turnovers. 
So, and he, his completion rate is always through the roof, which is a good thing. Um, but those are byproducts of him being too cautious at times. He doesn't let it fling, uh, I mean, you know, for better or for worse. Uh, if you wanted a version of him that uh, threw it away more often or got wild, then you'd get more turnovers. And I think with A, Zimmer hates turnovers, so does every coach, but Zimmer will like call you out on it personally. And then just the way that he's been coached in these nine years he's been in the league, he's gun-shy of fumbling or throwing interceptions. Uh, so that's why you see that when he, he does the turtle thing where he just huddles up and he falls down because he doesn't want to turn the ball over. And that's one of his shortcomings. Nobody's ever said that his pocket presence is very good. Um, he makes up for it at times with a, a, a beautiful arm that's f- pretty damn accurate and it can launch it. But I think he holds on to it too long because he's scared to turn the ball over. He's scared of the, the coach's scorn. And, you know, just he thinks that is it's better to just collapse and hold the ball longer than it is to give somebody a free interception. Other quarterbacks will throw caution to win and say, F it, let's just fling this thing. And I think that's and I, and I think one thing too is uh, like it, from the broadcast, Al, you probably got a better view from in the stadium, but from the broadcast, you, you can't see the receivers downfield. So sometimes where it may look like he's holding on to the ball too long, like I always wonder like, is did he just miss an open guy or was everything covered up? And sometimes when they show the behind the quarterback view, it looks like, well, there was nowhere to go with the ball. So you kind of either have to get out of the pocket and throw it away or do something. But uh, yeah, to your point, I would love it if he was just like, we got feeling, we got Jefferson out there one-on-one, let's just throw it up. Let's trust them to make a play. I don't even think it's necessarily just holding the ball. I'm just wondering if, like they're just all out of sync, like the whole operation. Yeah. Because if you're holding on to the ball for like the way that Cousins always has always done all uh, his whole career, but you have inexperienced guys at the on the on the line, and you, you depend on a certain. I imagine you depend on us. You depend on a certain count. Okay, at this count, you need to get up. You need to get up off the line. So I wonder if just the whole operation was just messed up. It prop well. It, it's a big. I feel like if Sorry, I feel like if he's holding on to the ball too long, he doesn't trust that the receivers are open enough for him to throw it. So that's probably was time. That's probably was messing it up too. It's it, it's a big maybe. We don't know. And then even if that is the case, it's inexcusable because this is a regular season now, and Zimmer and Boy Wonder, Kubiak, and Rauscher have to be ready for that. Uh, and then you may have to reevaluate whether or not these dudes play in the preseason more. Uh, it's just, just a, it's not a, it has to be fixed and it's, it's not a good thing to have beset your team in week one when you're supposed to have a gimme out of the gate. Uh, Sally, the okay. one, yeah, go ahead. The preseason argument bothers me. It's, I keep seeing everyone say that, oh, they didn't play enough in the preseason. They didn't play substantially less than every other team's offenses played. Like, why is that the buyout for the Vikings, but n- no one else? I don't. I don't ever understand that. They it's were like, ripping Rogers. Like a lot of people have been talking about Rogers. Like he didn't play, um, but yeah, like it. Like Stafford didn't play at all, and he went out and and right. lit it up. So, I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that as an excuse, anyways. Especially in the past when I don't no know one plays that fourth game, anyways. Like they. Like they, they, they always have their format of we're going to play this amount of time. And it seems like they followed that. And even a, a, compared to a lot of other teams, they played it. The starters played in that third game. Well, um, except for like the ones that matter. I mean, well, Dalvin didn't, and Dalvin didn't yeah. play and they're part but, of the offense. But Cousins so. and the offensive line did. And it seems like that's where a lot of the problems were, right, whether it's communication yeah. or preparedness. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't put any stake in the preseason part of it. I just think that 
there was something that was amiss um, that I, I don't know if it's new bodies, the new play caller and just kind of getting everything together. Um, but clearly something wasn't right. Well, you guys I mean, want to talk to, talk to Tony Dungy because he called this out. <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> to me, it's just like frustrating that you're playing against a quarterback who it's his 10th game coming off of a horrendous injury, has a younger wide receiver core, and he just comes out there and makes it. I know that the defense did play well, but they took risks and they wanted to win that game. And that's what's frustrating because it's like this. I know it's one game, but it just seems like, wow, we've seen this show for a couple years now. I wish that they would come out. I know the penalties really messed them up at first, but like, doesn't seem like they ever try to come out on the opening drive and make teams answer to them. Right. It's always kind of of dictating what is dealt to them after the defense does their thing. Right. And I'm sure some of that with the, what was it? Four penalties in the first seven plays or something. I'm sure (laughs) a lot was delayed. Yeah, I know that. But yes, but yeah, I get your point. Why don't we come out right away and just let's make a statement and get points they on the board? Probably wanted to, but when you're staring right. at <laughs> first, first and twenty, second twenty, third and twenty punt, yeah, uh, yeah, that just changes everything. Uh, Our the, punter looks pretty good, though. Yeah, the, I was already <laughs> say for Sally, the, the uns, yeah, sorry. Everyone makes fun of this Zach Taylor guy that he's a total dork that doesn't know anything, but his team had what three penalties for fifteen yards? Like, I don't, I just don't understand. Oh, I, I haven't I I haven't seen the people that make fun of Taylor. Everybody did we did on this show with last week with the Bengals they, guy. Yeah, they, he, what was this? His, not too, oh, we said his record days, was four. Oh yeah, we I I, don't, I said his record was four and twenty six or whatever it is. I don't know that I made fun of him. I mean, maybe you didn't necessarily make fun of him, but like read <laughs> I've read all these articles on like how everyone okay. hates him. He's really an executive. He has no business being a coach. <laughs> he came, stood up there and said to uh, to Courtney Cronin that. It was Bradbury's t- first time playing in front of a full stadium, and that's why he messed up. It's like he doesn't even—I don't know. Yeah. It's just frustrating. This isn't the kind of guy you should be losing losing to. The uh, I think the only reason, I think the only reason why uh, Sally they're they're making fun of online, I think, cause, just because of that fourth down play. And oh yeah, oh, I'm was, talking about as a whole for years, but yes, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't probably, mean to cut you off. The, but yeah, probably the record has something to do with that too. But yeah, I, I think you're right. It's, it, it might be it might be a bit unwarranted. Amir, you are. Thank you for bringing that up. That was one of the dumbest things I've seen in a very long time in a sports event. Uh, when you are up, I think it was two touchdowns, and you're on your thirty, and you get greedy um, for a team that's looking for momentum. The safest play in the world, the, the sensible play in the world, is just kick it. And their punter was punting well. Uh, it would be a different maybe if it was at the 40 or the 45, but the 30 is a gimme. Like it's automatic points for a team with a, a really good kicker. Uh, so that, that perplexed me. The unsung part, speaking of kicking, was I think it was an overtime when Jordan Berry flipped the field on this monster of a punt. We didn't know he had it in him. That was my pleasant surprise because that changed the whole dichotomy of overtime thinking, God, we could actually still win this thing. Sally, did you have any takeaways that we haven't talked about that were pleasant surprises? Um, KJ Osborne. Oh God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. KJ I, uh... Osborne. And I did like the play, the play where Jefferson uh, threw the pass that really surprised me. Yeah, so, that was the, we're getting spicy. Were, yeah, those things were <laughs> overshadowed because of all the penalties. There was so much motion that I was like, oh, my goodness. So 
I think so, some of us that said Clint's going to put a little bit of a modern spin on this thing were vindicated for week one because there was a lot more motion in that game than uh, the dad Kubiak uh, brought. No, the dad Kubiak called better offensive games on the whole, but for Clint, it's only been the one. Yeah, that that little trickery with uh, Jefferson. And then because we had to, we, we put four wide receivers on the field without uh, Irv Smith in the game, and boom, it worked. There was a guy that actually stuck out and caught passes and made plays. We're so used to BB and BC catching the ball and us being like, holy crap, somebody else caught it, and then we get excited about that. Well, here we had Osborne making plays and you know extending the drive that we tied it, which was absolutely vital. So if this is the new way of it that we're going to play like other teams uh, that get a WR3 involved rather than some by default shell of a receiver, it's very exciting, especially for Osborne because he just clawed his way up to relevance. He was like a roster bubble type of guy in April, and boom, he could be WR3 indefinitely. And what I really liked about watching like his game, um, he was aggressive. He wasn't like a Chad BB oh, catch God, it and yeah. go down or <laughs> like he was like, you know, even making just hurdling guys or doing something like he showed the ability that they put him in the punt returner role where he just couldn't field punts properly. So um, good for him for working on his, on his route running and um, ability to catch in traffic. Cause um, yeah, if he can bring that to the table, that gives you that dynamic, slot receiver um, where you don't have to put Thielen and Jefferson in the, in the slot and let them be effective on the outside where in a lot of ways it's um, you you need that outside threat to go along with the inside. So um, I mean, yeah, that was definitely a a huge positive. Throughout a a game, I'll tell my wife at certain spots, like we need to find Rudolph here. That's what I'd say in the end zone or when things are, when you need an automatic catch, I'll say, God, we just got to find Thielen. Uh, I think with a couple more games, I'll be able to say that about Osborne. And I have not said that about a non-Diggs, non-Jefferson, non-Thielen, non-Rudolph guy in seven years, uh, besides Jarius Wright from time to time on third down. So that is a huge takeaway, and it's only one game. But if, if indeed that Cousins targets him, he targeted him just as much as Jefferson. Tar- I mean, Cousins was had that confidence in him, or at least he was open. Maybe Je- Jefferson was double covered, that Osborne could become... Uh, the WR3 that we sought forever. Uh, we spend a lot of the time talking about Cincinnati, so we need to talk. I about have Eric. one last thing to yep. add about Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say, um, first of all, Cincinnati fans are really awesome. But uh, every I met so many people throughout the weekend who came up to me and told me that they listen to this show <laughs> and that they really enjoy it, and um, that was really cool to hear from people. So I just wanted to say. Thank you to all of those awesome people that take the time to listen and to um, hey, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, isn't that a? It's a weird feeling. Um, you've probably experienced it, Sally, longer than I have. But that happened to me at the state fair a couple times. That people yeah. ju- just say hello, and then they, I'm like, "What's your Twitter name?" And then they'll say something, and I'm like, "I don't know who that is." But you're certainly cool in person. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I obviously do a lot of different, well, not a lot, but I do a few different projects, you know? And so it seemed like almost everyone that I talked to told, mentioned this show specifically yeah. and not other stuff. So that was really cool. Um, I, I have to agree. Yeah. Brian and I, we started this in August of 2020. And so we've added all of you faces and you've certainly enhanced the product. Mm, no, thank you. All right, BMAC. <laughs> uh, I always put you on a spot with uh, a new team or a new city. Hopefully you've been thinking about it. Maybe you haven't. The Vikings head to Arizona on Sunday. Do you have a Phoenix story or a Cardinal story off the top of your head? Going to interrupt for just a second to talk about one more of our sponsors, which is playactionpools.com. 
Uh, it's exciting news. Our podcast is partnering up with playactionpools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport that we love most. You'll be able to get on all the action at playactionpools.com and a football pick'em challenge, which is open to everybody. Here's how it works. You sign up for the contest, Believe Football Pick'em at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. Uh, they're going to select 10 of the highest profile games per week for you to make your picks. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest, B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em, Believe Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got survivors, pick'ems, and all kinds of sportsbook-style concepts so you can build your own bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all of your office sports pools. Oh, like certain no? places I don't really have stories. I feel like I just go there, go to work, and, and get back on a plane and leave. Wait okay. a second. Let me refresh your memory. Remember, <laughs> um, God, I'm, guys, what year was it where the Cardinals – Knocked um, the Vikings out yeah, of the playoffs. Yeah, what year was that? 2000, uh, 2003, my first, the first sports heartbreak of my life. <laughs> yeah, were you in, were you in Arizona in 2003? Yeah, he was. Yeah. That was the year they started 6-0. and And then Josh McCown at the last minute. Yeah, to pool. Orphan 22, whatever it was. Yeah, I don't think remember, he, yeah. I think he remembers it, but he's just not a big I'll fan. I erased it on my memory. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Look it up on YouTube. The PA call is still <laughs> out there. The no, yeah. the Cardinals are still out of the playoffs. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell <laughs> all of you about that game. So uh, I was watching that just drunk mm-hmm. as hell, and that was really at the beginning of my alcoholism. And that game stung. It wasn't yeah. a playoff game, but like in in the way that I remember my mood being for like I was twenty. Oh my goodness, 20 years old. I I that one ate at me for a long time. And there have been worse beats that we've all experienced, but that one was so vicious because I think it was because it was fourth and 22. Like and they were bad. They, six, that was their fourth it? win. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. It, and it also let the Packers in the playoffs. Yeah. Like yeah. By, yeah, yeah. The, the, that was the byproduct of it. And yeah, mm-hmm. so I always want to call that out that. In in the, the the heartbreakers that we've all experienced, there have been more fatal ones than that, like an FC championship. Oh, that one was pretty bad. But to yeah, start six like, and now. Yeah, just yeah. The, the, well, the first one, my first heartbreak. <laughs> well, hard forget. But I don't think any of us, you know, if in our the younger version of ourselves thought that that team was going to go win a Super Bowl, but it was like we just wanted to get to the postseason. Any team with Randy Moss was capable yeah. of winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Well, and wasn't Josh McCown not even the starter either? He was a rookie, not their yeah. normal starter. Yeah. Did like, they have, was that in the Plumber era? Yeah. No, was, I'm looking yeah. at it was Jeff Blake. Oh, geez, oh, yeah. yeah, the former yeah, Bengal. That, that was <laughs> yeah. the, so the the with McCown. Uh, yeah, I think he, uh, at the time I was like, who in the hell is that? And now, he was a rookie, I think. Yeah, yeah and he's been in, he was in the league for 18 years or whatever it yeah. was. And so who would have thought that that would have been his claim to fame in his rookie year yeah. uh, was just that godforsaken pass. So, all right, well, so no. So the last time the Vikings <laughs> won in the desert, Bryant, was 2008. Uh, I think we've lost once or twice since then. Didn't they lose to them in 2009? Yeah, they, but that was, I think that yeah, at was at home, home, though. Yeah, that was at home. That was one of their four losses with, with Favre at the helm. And then you guys will remember the 2015 game. I think it was a late Sunday afternoon. Chandler, Chandler it, was a thir- it was a Thursday night game. Chandler Jones Thursday, sacked, yeah. a strip sack Teddy at the last second. Yeah, and it looked like yeah. he was winding up to throw the thing. And that was, 
I think that was a big game because the Cardinals were really good that year. That was yeah. the it game. Was, it was for the two seed, the number yeah. two seed. If the Vikings would have won, they would have had the number two seed and we wouldn't have had the Blair Walsh uh, heartbreak. My yeah. understanding is. I think that was also the same year that the Cardinals and, and the Broncos had a wild playoff game. You remember that? Yeah. The, yeah. Larry Fitzgerald walked them off. After, yeah. 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 So, so that game, that was another, it was always, I guess, fasten our seatbelts. We always have these Cardinal games that uh, end up with, and that's, they don't always end up with heartbreak, but they, uh, they end up. There's one game memorable. that Bryant, um, I believe you were on the, like there for the, the one where EJ Henderson broke his leg. Um, were you, um, I can't remember what year that was. If it was after 2011, was it 09? Um, uh, what, what do you remember about that? Like when, you know, like the, the way that that happened, um, I know like on the broadcast, I remember being quiet and then Aaron Henderson, you know, was on the team as well. And he, um, I don't think he was dressed for the game, but he was right there. But I remember that was, uh, one of the most gruesome injuries I had seen on TV. What were your thoughts as a player on the sideline for that? Uh, I hate watching anybody get injured. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, I probably had turned my head, (laughs) but, um, Arizona. Yeah. I don't really have too many memories about Arizona. I feel like we didn't play them enough. And I don't know. I just remember Larry Fitzgerald senior, you know, I know when we lead up to playing them, he always would talk to us because his son played on another team. Oh, yeah. but I, mean, I didn't really have too many memories about them. I knew I had a couple of, you know, former teammates like intro role, a couple of people who played there, but it wasn't, no, I didn't, Arizona's just not one of them teams that like I, I thought about. Yeah. The, uh, same. The last time, Fuck the last time, <laughs> all right. The last time we beat them in their building was 2008. It was the game of Traveris Jackson's life. He had a Jameis Winston like uh, stat line: 163 yards, four touchdowns, and 135 passer rating. Adrian had 165 yards, and if I'm not mistaken, they went to the Super Bowl that year. Does that Rest sound right? Peace, Tavares. Does that sound uh, right, Ron? Um, yep. yep. Eight. The, yeah, the 08 season. Yeah, yep. so we, we – uh, and that was the Kurt Warner team. So the Vikings yeah. punched them in the mouth. It must have been – we got to the playoffs that year and lost to the Eagles too. And that was another game that was just lifeless. But anywho, so yeah, we're going to transition to talking about being uh, – you know, going to Arizona for this and – after that, there's three games at home. So if, if you're if you if you're of the opinion that this is a recipe for 0 and 2, then your saving grace would have to be the next three games are at home, and <laughs> we'll be there. It'll be it, it'll be loud, and it sounds like Sally's already got some um, extremely cynical laughs to go along with her prognostication. So, do you fully expect Sally that the Vikings will be 0 and 2 when we all meet next week? Um, I wouldn't go that far. I think that to your point earlier, this is the kind of game that they have been known to bounce back and show you a completely different um, team or life. I can see that happening. However, um, I think we all know that Arizona had a pretty dominant performance over Tennessee on Sunday. Um, And what did they have? Uh, Five sacks. Wait, how many sacks did they have total? Seven? Five, five. Oh, all but all from the same person though, right? Oh and wait, I'm sorry. I thought, yeah. I thought you meant on the Vikings. Yeah, uh, Chandler had five. I don't know Ch- how many. Yeah, teams. Chandler had five and two forced fumbles. So, if you guys saw it 
Kirk wasn't getting enough time in Cincinnati. <laughs> I, I don't know how that's six. gonna improve. Um, only one more. Yeah, so uh, but I I can really see it going either way, pretty much like you talked about at the beginning of the show. Um, but as far as Seattle, I I don't you believe eh. it when you see it. Well, I guess let me see this week, but for yeah. right now, I'm saying it's about a point oh 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 one percent. Well, here's the deal on the, these next three games. And Sally and I said this three weeks ago and we reiterated it last week is that mm-hmm. we felt the Bengals was a must win because of the slate of games that was coming up. That was supposed to be the gimme. And then we could afford to lose to the Cardinals and then come back at home with the vengeance. Um, but now it, let, let's say we went into Cincinnati and beat their ass. We would still have a very tough schedule in these next three games where it's conceivable. We would lose one or two of them, but now yes. we're on our heels after they didn't beat our ass, but they beat us based on our sloppiness that the slate of games doesn't change. We still have these playoff teams on the docket and we don't know what type of team we're going to get going against these playoff teams. So that's why. Oh, I'm Yeah. And the AFC uh, North is the, the only beatable team. I shouldn't say beatable, but the easiest team to beat in that division is the Bengals. Right. And that's their <laughs> AFC division. And then the West, the NFC West is all extremely hard. So they're they're playing the two hardest divisions in the league and they didn't beat the, the gimme one. Yeah. So that's obviously not good. They needed to win that one. Yeah. The only way we'll be vindicated is if the Bengals end up finishing like 11 and six or 10 and seven or something. And then we'll look back and be like, okay, that makes a little sense, but I don't think they're quite that good. I just think that uh, we were that bad. Now the, the inverse of that for the optimistic <laughs> folks is that losing that game means that you are required to win one of these as a makeup game. And then you take care of business at home. Or if you didn't think that the Vikings would beat the Seahawks or Browns, now they have to because your, your insurance game is dead. The vanquished not coming back. Um, So that's, that's where you have to start putting faith in the home cooking. Um, It didn't, there was no home field advantage at all during the pandemic season. Um, And I go to all the home games and it does make a difference. They are very good. They're better than most teams at home than, than other teams are at home, Sands, the Brady Patriots, the Chiefs, and recently the Ravens. So you're going to have to put a lot of stock in that. It'd be a lot easier if it's one and one. Uh, Amir, what are you expecting? Do you think we're going to see the a polished product that contends and maybe even beats the Cardinals? Uh, I, I I don't know. They're probably going to need they're going to need a lot of help just to, just to take care of Chandler Jones. I mean. Uh, Offensive line's gonna need they're, they're gonna need some uh, inspiration, some some div, some some divine intervention to to to, to prevent Chandler Jones from uh, from having a similar performance that he did last week. And Taylor Taylor Luan, who played, he's a three-time Pro Bowler. Now, granted, he was coming off a torn ACL last year, but that's a that's a really really good Pro Bowl offensive lineman that he beat for Humble. those five sacks. So yeah, you saw his tweet afterwards. So you're gonna need some divine intervention. Now on defense, I mean Kyler, he goes out of the pockets. So I guess you just need to make sure that your set your your safeties, that's Harrison and and Xavier, that they can take care of that they can take care of him uh roaming out. I think they I, I think the defense can hold them a little bit. I think I wonder if the 38 points last week was a little bit of an aberration. They're gonna be a good offensive team in Arizona. But I wonder if you can get them off their heels a little bit defensively. Yeah, that's, I think, Ron, when I first met you, one of your talking points that you brought up that intrigued me that I knew, but I never put it at the fork of my brain was how Zimmer 
even when he's rocking and rolling, has problems with mobile quarterbacks. Not like, you know, he gets completely eviscerated, but they, they always find a way to get the best of him. And Kyler is the definition of an NFC mobile quarterback. And it's not like, it's not like one where he knows how to run when he wants to. He racks up yards. He racks up rushing touchdowns. And he's certainly not as run first as Lamar, but he... Even the way he just dances and yeah. like, you know, to get a throw off, like he did it twice on, on Sunday, um, that it's like the way he's eluding people, it's like a hockey player on skates. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, you can keep going. Sorry. I just had to bring no, that part up. I was, was going to pivot to your expectation or your, your gut about how this game will go. So, um, well, expectation is I hope they come out and, you know, correct what they need to and get the win. Um, but my, my thought is I don't see us going in and getting a win. Um, th- this was one where I was a little iffy on to start the season and then watching how they came out and kind of clicked on all cylinders and beat a team that is supposed to be very good. Now, again, just like the Vikings or any of these other teams, what they are in week one, maybe is more true to form than what the expectations might be. Um, but, uh, the, what scares me with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. So um, their offensive line obviously improved by getting Rodney Hudson, um, but with his ability to move around and like give him a little bit of time and create not only that, but now you have Deandre Hopkins outside and you know, their other receiving core that's still very good. Um, that's what scares me about it is we play a lot of man coverage and having to stay with those receivers for that extra time um, while Murray's uh, dancing around back there, that could be problematic. Um, now, if Anthony Barr is able to play, like he is one of those guys with the size and athleticism that he has that can work as a spy. But I don't see Zimmer as ever being a guy that just employs like, hey, your eyes are going to be on the quarterback and you're going to stay with him the entire time. So um, we will need to get creative with our blitz packages and just be able to get pressure on him and get him off his spot. Um if we can do that, make them one dimensional. And um, I'd much rather them be forced to just pass and air it out than to be able to get that balanced rushing attack they were able to have on Sunday. Um, but I not, not a whole lot of confidence unless our offense can kind of go toe to toe with them. Um, kind of like that Rams game on a Thursday night, a few years ago, how far in the hole can this team get and reasonably come back to reach the playoffs? <laughs> well, <laughs> Like in, not, they, in, not in the Cardinals go, game, but in the season. Right. Yep. Uh, so they can't go 0-4. Um, like if they go 0-4, I mean, that's – I mean, yes, it's not quite a quarter anymore because we're at 17 games, but <laughs> you start off 0-4, um, then things – you know, the talk of Zimmer and is he going to be here, that's going to start to heat up. You know, um, I don't see them trading anyone before the deadline um, just because that typically doesn't quite happen. Um but 0 and 4 is going to be tough. So I think they need a minimum of one out of the first three or first four. But I think that the two games at home, while against good competition in Seattle and Cleveland, like you said, the home games are, um, are a lot different. Um, mm-hmm. know, we, yeah. Um, we're uh, obviously good in our own building and we play our game and Dalvin has typically run free in those games when he's not, um, you know, tearing his ACL in the, his first season. So, um, so if they end up two and two, and then you have the lions on the horizon, um, I think that's a good saving grace, but, uh, 
so yeah, I'm not going to say 0-2 you can't climb out of, but um, 0-4 definitely is going to be uh, it's going to be very tough, depending on what the rest of the division does too, because <laughs> the rest of the division kind of looks like ass too right now. Yeah. So um, that's that's another wild card there. At least. Yeah, how strange. Uh, Sally, would Zimmer uh, be terminated if it was 0-4? No, at, I don't think moment. so. So he'd, no. he'd get to see the Lions and hope. For I don't the best. think that there's really any chance that that would happen. I mean, I don't think that if they were even going to fire somebody mid-season it would be till at least over halfway done okay and um, i don't think uh to the point of i don't think that they're going to do anything during the season but the talk will heat up and it'll be out there um but the main reason they're not going to fire mid-season because they don't have someone who's ready to step in and be like they, yeah that's true too they, like they like, don't are have... they going to give it to clint kubiak let him run the show um i don't think so um so yeah. that'll be the only thing. You have to call I don't Gary. Think that that's yeah. going to happen. Um, you know, it would be one thing if they're getting blown out in all four of these games, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see it going that way. I think that they'll, for the most part, at least be competitive, even if they do lose them. Um, but I don't think Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland played really good against Kansas City, yep. and if there wasn't that that pick the, at the end from Baker. The with punter the dropping the punt really is what they did. Yeah, it, it was the punt. <laughs> it, it was the first first punt of the entire game for them. Um, and Stefanski knows what U.S. Bank Stadium is going to be like. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. going to get them prepared for that as well as he can. So I don't know if that one's even necessarily as, you know, a gimme. But let's let's wait and see this week before I get to... Too low on you and four. I hope I didn't say gimme. I didn't mean that. I said that. <laughs> no, but you said two and two. So I was like, well, who the no, heck is said, the other like, one he's I picking? Get to two and two with that, yeah. like just with the the home game. So yeah, like those two are the 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 next three opponents are very uh, formidable opponents. Um, they all and they're all different in a lot of well, you know, maybe the Seahawks are going to be very similar to what the Cardinals do, but uh, um, yeah, the, yeah, the Browns are a complete spot. team. So yeah. Um, We'll see what happens, but one game at a time. Hey, B-Mac, do you know Russell Okung? No. No? Okay. He's a free agent left tackle that started in 2010 or drafted in 2010, and I thought because he played your position, you might have crossed paths with him. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Well, he's a free agent, and we don't know how this Derisaw thing thing is going to shake out. Uh, He's practiced today, so perhaps he won't be lost for good, Um, but – Okung is an intriguing possibility um, if Rashad Hill is not the long-term answer, and hence he's probably not. Uh, Amir, do you have any feelings about possibly Okung on the free agency board if this left tackle thing gets dicey? I do, but I have a question for BMAC really quick. Yeah. On Derisaw. So, because I feel like your situations are similar. They're not identical, but I sense it's similar that both of you guys, as rookies, you're drafted – you were drafted by the Vikings to be the future left tackle. And both of you guys, for different reasons, obviously, like you, that this was the pre-2011, the, the pre-2011 uh, labor situation where they didn't have the, they didn't, they didn't have the slot, the rookie slots. So, so you, uh, but uh, Tadera saw with his injury. So both you guys as rookie left tackles is, is, is both miss, miss, miss a lot of training camp. And most both of you guys, I assume, Jarosaw at some point will get will get some playing time. We'll have to just be to will be dropped in <laughs> mid season just to get playing time without any without much reps in the off season. I'm just curious, just from your from your own 
from your own experience, like how you think that's going to go for Jerusalem, uh, assuming that eventually, maybe after the buy or so what, when, whenever whenever he gets healthy, that they'll put him in. Well, I mean, it was kind of different. <laughs> I missed the whole training camp in the first eight games, so it's a big difference. But I, I stepped in, and I kind of mentally was trying to prepare myself to become a starter. So, I mean. How fast did the game hit you? Um, it, it was fast because, you know, like everybody's jumping off the snap count faster, like in college, you know, so it it was moving faster. But then as, you know, I got more reps, things started slowing down. And that's what happens to a lot of these rookies. Like right now, it seems like everybody's just flying all over the place. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to get a grasp for, you know, the play calling and the timing of the snap count and how fast these guys get off the ball. But it'll eventually slow down to them. But, um... I kind of came in and just, I don't know, just mentally just had to just get used to it, like adjust quick. So, so there's a couple. Know, like, everybody's kind of different. I just knew I was already behind the eight ball and I felt like I was going to be the weakest link. So I had to do things in my mind to make, make me feel like, okay, I don't want to look like the weakest link. So I just had to kind of keep myself mentally sharp. So there's a couple things like that. Um, while, yes, in parallel, like you both weren't or you know Darisa and yourself weren't with the team to start um but the different a couple of differences that like I'm thinking of is one he's under contract so he has access to the playbook and kind of being around the team yeah. and that part of it but he's hurt so he can't do necessary or, or he's been injured so the training part might not be there whereas you when you were going through it you probably were able to do your workouts and stay in shape on your own, but you might not have had the playbook or any of that type of insight. So where do you think there is kind of the better place to be being healthy and able and just need to learn or being able to learn, but not like it's a kind of mind versus body is kind of what I, it kind of boils down to with these two. Well, so with me basically um, being able to be in shape is still different. You're in shape for as running, but football shape is totally different because you're not pushing. I'm not out there pushing everybody to okay. stay in that type of football shape. You still have to work your way into that. You know what I'm saying? With equipment on and everything. So I didn't have equipment. So basically, far as staying in shape is yes, running and doing cardio, but football shape is totally different. So I mean, I, I was in a decent amount of shape, um, but having that mental aspect too, like knowing the plays. You know, you don't know the plays, you kind of move a little slower. If you if you ever pay attention, like sometimes, God, I can tell when a guy like he didn't really know what he was supposed to do because they kind of hesitate. Like, mm-hmm. but when guys know what they do, they kind of fire the ball faster. They they go more in the tech mode. But sometimes guys move slower when they don't know what to do. So mentally, not knowing, not being prepared mentally, is probably a little worse because you can be in shape, but if you don't know what you're doing, you kind of move like uh, and there's a hesitation, and you can be late. So that's probably worse. Do you recall who your first individual matchup was? Like, not necessarily the team, but who you were going up against? Yeah, it was against the Giants, and it was against Kenny Holmes. He was a, he was a hurricane as well. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I wonder, he, like, I wonder he didn't if, forget it. <laughs> I wonder if with Darisaw, like, because if he, assuming he's not playing this week, um, like that week three, probably like, after the buy, I'd say, well, I'd say, I think probably after the buy is when they'll sneak him in. Yeah, because even so, like if you then throw him out week four, his first game, and he's either having to go against Miles Garrett or Jadavian Clowney. Um, I mean, while still better than Rashad Hill, um, it, it should be. But I don't know if you want to maybe the Lions week get him a rep in before you hit the bye, and the Lions really don't have much uh, to offer on in terms of of edge rushers. So we'll see. 
Amir, um, there's a lot of stuff that uh, we didn't get to talk to because we we stayed on both topics, which is more than fine. But I need your predictions, sir, um, for Vikings Cardinals. I will take the Cardinals. Uh, sadly, I hate to say it, but okay. I, I think the Vikings are not they're not terrible. They're not down in the dumps. I just feel like from what I saw, I still feel like the Cardinals are just a bit better team. Um, I think it'll be a close game, though. It won't be like a blowout. I think it'll be similar to last week's game, like a three-point game. Okay. Give me a score. I will go with 20. How about 24-21 Cardinals? Ooh, okay. A little bit of a low-scoring affair. Ron, let's hear yours, sir. So I got, um, I hate to say it because the I think the defense is a good defense, um, but I see them putting up points, and I think a 30, 31 to, let's say 31 to 27. Keeping it close. Sally, what's yours? I hate score predictions, but um, I'll oh, say. I did, Car- did I say Cardinals? Sorry, yeah, thirty-one twenty-seven. Cardinals. Oh, really? I, I didn't. Sorry. I thought no, you sorry. were. A- <laughs> no. Sorry. No. I no. just realized that. Um. <laughs> gosh. I mean, I'm going Cardinals. Um. I do think there will be a defensive touchdown. That's that's my bold prediction. My hot take. Ah, uh, God. Oh, Vikings. <laughs> yeah, I think the Vikings will have a defensive touchdown. <laughs> Wow. Um, let's see. Okay. Score. I don't freaking know. Um, I like 31. That's good. 31 to 24. How about that? Okay. I, uh, I'll take the Cardinals as well, mainly because I'm just, uh, I've got it entrenched in my brain. The penalties are only going to get a little bit better, even though it'll probably be spick and span. I got 28, 24 Cardinals. So McKinney, you're going to, are you the lone voice of Vikings reason, or are you going to the Cardinals as well? I'm going to Cardinals. I feel like last season, every time I picked the, the Vikings, they lost. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> heard that. I'm going to say the Cardinals will win 27-17. Okay. All right, Amir, sir, let's hear about your podcast. Tell us about it, and then we'll hop off air for the night. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm just, uh, I've been graduated from, the, graduated from the U of M at the worst possible time, uh, in the middle of a pandemic, and visually, <laughs> I've been uh, visually impaired. I was born of a genetic disorder that caused uh, macular, gen- macular degeneration. Oh. So just trying to, I've always been so passionate about sports and about music and culture. And I'm like, well, I'm not finding any jobs right now. So, so let's just start a podcast. And I had a, I had a good discussion with a good friend of mine who's also in the industry. I don't know if, I don't know if you guys know him, but, but uh, I had a good friend of mine and he said, well, Amir, you, you're, you're a really good talker. You should start your own podcast. So for the past uh, eight months, this has been a podcast going to the, the American Way podcast. You can find it on Spotify. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we get some, get, got, every time, every now and again, whenever I can get, whenever I can scoop up some guests, <laughs> I get guests on and we talk about the latest topics in Minnesota sports. We sneak in discussions about national topics as well, but we can sneak a lot of Vikings in there. So yeah, I'm just getting getting by. Just uh, well, awesome, sir. Um, that's when you, great. When you have a drought for guests, I recommend you scoop anybody from this panel here because you are well spoken and you're very thoughtful. And we'd we'd love to get on there and discuss the week's events, whatever they may be. So that's an open invitation, especially for me, because uh, I, I enjoyed our conversation the other night. I'll be there, but no, no more Wednesdays for me. My calendar's a book. <laughs> any other day, <laughs> you all are welcome. As long as you don't find me annoying, as as long as I, as long as I'm not going to sound annoying or 
No. So what? You guys are all more than welcome. Anytime oh. you want. Well, thank Listen, you, we're all annoying, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I annoy myself all the time. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, next week, uh, McKinney recruited Cliff Averill. Uh, he'll be on as our enemy guest. He played for the Seahawks for quite some time, and he'll chat about the Seahawks game when hopefully your Vikings are one and one. And I don't even know what the Seahawks are playing, but we'll see what their record is. Uh, then, can we do that? Can we do that later for him? Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll do that 10 p.m. Uh, Central time that you talked about on text message. Right. Okay. All right, that's all we got for tonight, and school Viking. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.